Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. We might be saying goodbye to Women's History Month, we'll be going out with a bang as we put Kim Possible up against Atomic Becky, two badass kick-ass female cartoons. And for the main event, oh what a main event we've got for you, we take a special look at Sailor Moon. That's right, Sailor Moon! I told you we're going out with a bang, and trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Moon Prism Power Makeup! And without further ado, let's get started. And joining me as ever is uh, producer Paul. <laughs> How's it going, mate? You good? Yeah, did you like that intro? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sailor Moon is another one of those Where Have You Been All My Life cartoons. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's very anime. Like, it it's just typical anime, but it's great. It is vintage anime. It is well anime. And uh, how you been getting on this week with well, everything? I have not caught the virus yet, which is seemingly more of an achievement. <laughs> I mean, at the risk of being very, very wrong, I think I may have had the virus. Do you remember when I was really ill in January? Oh, yeah, you were literally dying. I think... we It was that bad, we mentioned it on the pod, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after I recorded, I was... Out. gone for like almost a week so if you've got it that means i probably had, had it. it then maybe we're all immune already who knows i mean like i said i'm i may be wrong i'm probably wrong i'm i ain't no scientist i was awful at science at school but i just i just feel like i i think i had it when I was that ill in January, because let's be real, this virus has been here long before we were told it came to the UK. Yeah, of course it has. The thing is, like, w- one thing I really doesn't understand, what I don't understand is, the NHS advice at the moment is, uh, don't get tested until, like, you're basically dying. Have you seen, like, the NHS yeah, yeah, has yeah, said, yeah, don't yeah, yeah. call us, we don't want to know, don't come to the hospital, don't go to doctors, don't even just, call 111, just sit in your house, take paracetamol and deal with it. It's because they can't, can they? It's been run to the ground. No, I know, but I mean, like, even the NHS is just like, yeah, you're on your own. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think if the resources were there, if they had enough, if they weren't at the risk of getting all political, if they weren't run into the ground, then maybe there wouldn't be a, a scenario where they'd be telling people just stay at home and don't come to the hospital. Because yeah, if they had enough beds, if they had enough equipment, if they had enough doctors, then I'm sure the message wouldn't be "Don't come to us." If yeah, I you mean, need the help. It's all. It's all. It's also thinking about like you know, we've had quite a lot of time to adjust. Uh, sorry, not to adjust, but to kind of anticipate the virus. Right, we've had like China, then Italy, then South Korea, and and stuff like that. So it's not as if it's kind of come by surprise. And and it's like you got people. Who are outside going, oh, yeah, 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 oh, don't worry. Blitz spirit. It will get through it together. We're, we're a strong nation. 
Oh, yeah. Two world wars, one world cup, no surrender to the IRA. That's how we're going to beat the virus, mate. And it's like... No, that will kill you. Yeah. And your loved ones. Yeah, you go out there and you behave and move that reckless, then yeah, you will... Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous how people are just like ignoring the advice by like, yeah, all yeah. the healthcare professionals and just, just oh yeah, we're just going to go... Like apparently, was it the, um, the Snowden, the... Uh, What's the national park that Snowden's in? It was like the busiest it's ever been. Yeah. And I saw beaches as well, like Skegness Beach and like everywhere, just like people just flooding the beaches. I mean, people are supposed to be working from home, not just on holiday. Well, to be fair, that was the weekend when I saw all those <laughs> pictures of people flooding. But it's like, go home, you idiots. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, do you not understand? Like, and like obviously i don't think we've the virus has the peak of the virus it hasn't hit us yet oh no absolutely not and i'm just scared that when it does it's gonna hit this country both barrels well i've I've, and then some i've kept fuel in my car just in case i need to get the hell out of here (laughs) yeah i think i'm pretty much full tank (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna go and i'm gonna drive and if people are riding in the streets they're i ain't stopping (laughs) i did some shopping today Oh, really? So, uh, actually, I managed to get what I need. And there wasn't a case of I'd had to, like, panic buy or stock up. It was, I think there was enough of of what I needed, pretty much. Yeah. Although they did run out of, like, Mr. Kipling cakes, which... Uh, <laughs> it was nowhere. Nobody had it. I Like... I went shopping. I didn't even look for biscuits the other day because I was so, like... I mean, I even found needs. pasta and hand wash and, and, and kitchen roll, but I couldn't find Mr. Kipling cakes. Maybe that's a new panic buying thing. Yo, shout out to Mr. Kipling, right? Your cakes <laughs> are the one. Exceedingly good cakes. Yes. <laughs> Trademark probably <laughs> by them. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go on to our pod. I mean, for the next couple of hours, you can uh, sit back and listen to us talk about these incredible women I am going to miss Women's History Month. I am going to miss hearing the booming sounds of eternal power of a woman, which somehow manages to sync beautifully with the theme song, which makes post-production a lot easier when I'm putting that all together. So, uh, right, let's, uh, let's start with Kim Possible. And we're going to June 2002. So some of the things happening in the world. A 32-foot meteor explodes in the airspace west of Kashmir, raising fears that misidentified meteor explosions could spark a nuclear war. The first direct electronic communication experiment between the nervous systems of two humans is carried out by Kevin Warwick in the United Kingdom. Europe is declared polio-free by the World Health Organization. wonder what those guys are up to these days. Minority Report is in the cinemas and Foolish by Ashanti was number one in the charts. For the benefit of producer Paul. No, uh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't even... This is a bit... I just kind of look down at the soundboard and just twiddle because I know I'm never going to have heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Kim Possible. So this was a American animated action comedy adventure series. Created by Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle. It's a 
It was the second animated Disney Channel original series and the first series to be produced by a Walt Disney Television Animation. It evolves around an eponymous high school student, Kim Possible, a teenager tasked with fighting crime on a regular basis while coping with everyday issues commonly associated with adolescence. She and Ron and... Um, I can't remember what the, the other boy was called. They're known collectively as Team Possible. And they encounter mad scientist and supervillain Dr. Draken and his psychic Shigo. And they encounter several other enemies too. And yeah, so Schooly and McCorkle, they were originally recruited by the Disney Channel to develop an animated series that could attract both older and younger audiences. And they came up with Kim Possible as a show about a talented action heroine and her less competent psychic. And it was inspired by the scarcity of female-led animated series at the time. And the episodes are based on the creator's own high school experiences and combining elements of action, adventure, drama, romance and comedy to appeal to both girls and boys while parodying or parodying basically a parody of James Bond franchise and yeah basically just ripping off James Bond but in the nicest way possible I can't even say the uh, the verbal noun of parody parodying sounds about right to me parodying okay yeah parodying what parodying it's not parodying uh, no parodying is that what you said yeah oh god I can't even speak English anymore and obviously one of the big themes of the show is the internet and the whole idea of modern day technology and obviously girl power feminism relationships and it's often been compared to Buffy the Vampire Slayer Alias and the Powerpuff Girls and the premiere of Kim Possible was the most watched of any Disney Channel original series and they Disney Channel unprecedentedly ordered a fourth season in order to appease devoted fans after it was originally cancelled in 2006. It got nominated for eight Emmy Awards and won for Outstanding Achievement in Sound Mixing, Live Action and Animation. You know, I feel like that's an award that any show can win. Well, Sound Mixing? Yeah. Thanks, I, re- I reckon if I got my ish together in post... I reckon this podcast could win an award for sound mixing and live action. Well, they do say that you buy an Emmy, you win an Oscar, right? Hmm, true. So, yeah, that makes it even more possible. I just have to <laughs> count the pennies and, and what have you. And uh, the theme song, Call Me, Beat Me, is uh, recorded by uh, R&B singer Christina Millian. Again, I doubt you would know who that was. Absolutely not. But yeah, I remember telling you at the beginning of the show, I thought the uh, theme song was uh, was crap. <laughs> I, I I wasn't I wasn't uh, enamoured by uh, the uh, the theme song as such. Did you like the theme song? No, to be honest, I did not like the theme song. Call me, beat me, if you want to reach me. It was just like, um, in fact, I wrote it down before the sh- the first episode even started, and I said, "Is like, is it like a Britney Spears song?" <laughs> <laughs> it had that kind of like, um, just kind of like teenage pop song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't even know. 
But no, they. Uh, I mean, you you were kind of on the right tracks or on the right area of like in terms of who it might be recording it. But yeah, it was a uh, Christina, Christina Milian. And yeah, so it's just basically a. It's the most typical, similar format. So it's featuring a hungry power villain, and they have to prevent Kim and Ron have to prevent them from taking over the world. According to Telly Bison, not really sure what that is, and I quote: "The show is fairly action-oriented, but also has a strong, light-hearted comedic atmosphere." According to Sarah Free Miller of Bustle, Kim holds the functional and social power, while Ron exerts more of a calming, occasionally slapstick influence on the show. He is the intelligent, kind chaos in her highly organized life. And McCorkle, one of the writers, had said that using the internet theme in the series became an easy launching pad, partially because it is such a major part of the fabric of teen life and the interactive possibilities are endless. It is as though we get to play James Bond's cue for each episode. The more imaginative, the toy, the better. According to Betsy Wallace of Common Sense Media, Kim Possible capitalizes on the female villain fighting craze that sparked with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Alias. MTV's Monique Steele says that Kim Possible is all about how girls kick butt. And writing for WeWomen.com, Carla Kane Walther observed that the series scoffed at the damsel in distress trope used in action films by having Kim save Ron using her ingenuity and strength reinforcing the idea that girls are capable of helping themselves. And critics initially thought that it might not be able to attract a large enough male audience because of the idea of a female lead, but they did. And the premiere went to widespread acclaim and strong viewership. The first season currently holds a perfect 100% score on review aggregator on Rotten Tomatoes. Rob Owen of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote, Blessed with a modern sense of humour and hip, but not too hip, vocabulary, Kim Possible should appeal to tweens it clearly targets. Believing that it's animation, Speed with which stories unfold and especially the dialogue makes Kim Possible an early summer TV treat. And television critic Julie Salomon, writing in the New York Times, actually enjoyed Rufus's role in the program by writing, I probably would have liked Kim Possible even if one of its lead characters hadn't been a naked mole rat. But the cheerful presence of Rufus in this new animated series from Disney Signals that the show's executive producer and director, Chris Bailey, doesn't mind getting cute in obvious ways. And Betsy Wallace of Common Sense Media expressed concern of the show's violent action sequences, explaining lessons may get muddled and nearly lost as the heroes shimmy up rope ladders, dangling from helicopters and dodge spinning tops of doom. And yeah, Sarah Freemiller, I think I've mentioned her before, she wrote again, Ultimately, Kim Possible was just a solid show that didn't skimp on plot or dialogue in favour of wily Coyote explosions and its tongue-in-cheek humour allowed it to be self-aware and hip at the same time. And before I pass on to you, 
the characters of Kim Possible. Obviously, you got Kim Possible, who was voiced by Christy Carson Romano, who plays Ren in Even Stevens, so Lewis's big sister. I uh, knew you wouldn't remember. I there didn't. Do, I didn't do Even Stevens. You were producing, no? Yeah, I know, but I was producing, making sure everything was all good and the tea was hot. Okay, very good, very good. Also, Ron Stoppable was voiced, or Ron Stoppable, the sidekick and her best friend, and they actually end up going out together towards the later series. I actually quite liked Ron. I thought he was very endearing. Yeah, very I, li- I, yeah I liked Socially Ron as well. awkward. He's, he's my kind of guy. My kind of guy. Rufus was voiced by Nancy Cartwright, who was also the voice of Bart Simpson. Really? Yeah. So I was told you. So who's who? I'm telling you, Sideshow Bob was one of the was the evil. And man. Ron's yeah. So basically, Rufus is Ron's pet naked mole rat who accompanies Kim and Ron on their missions. Taj Maori, he does the voice of Wade Load, and Taj Maori is smart guy. So he's a little really? boy, and his sisters are sister sister girls. No way! I was like, how did I not realize this? We were doing these shows back in whenever we did it. Were they? Were they? Um, was that Disney as well? Was that Nickelodeon? I thought that was Nickelodeon. I thought I think Smart Guy was Disney, but Nickelodeon. Oh, sorry, but sister sister. sister, sister was. I can't remember what sister was. But no, they were all related, and that blew my mind. And Dr. Draken, who was like the, the main antagonist, along with Shigo, and she's uh, Dr. Draken's assistant. So, yeah, I mean, I told you it was a, a who's who of like people being part of uh, part of the show. But uh, Kim Possible, well, what do you what do you got to say about this show? Um, so I liked the mix of kind of uh, teenage life and like secret agent stuff yeah and also like the fact that the 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 parents knew about it yeah that that i found like in the episodes i'm not sure if I, it was in the first episode or one of the episodes later then she kind of just sat down and her dad's kind of talking to her about it like it's oh look kim you did this well well done yeah um uh yeah so like the action and kind of teenage issues they were dealing with mm. i thought was really cool like a nice balance the only problem w- with it was is that all the problems seem to be about s- boys. And that seems to be kind of the biggest problem. What do you mean, boys? So, like, when the the problems that they have is always about, like, oh, I've got a crush on so-and-so, he doesn't like me, or I've got to go to the dance, I've got to do this. It never seems to be, like, um, anything more substantial than that, which but I thought was what, a bit disappointing. But that's what teen life is about it's about boys yeah i know but i mean it, it was just seems like it was too much that or maybe that is teenage life and i'm just wrong um you are very wrong because yeah that's 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 what it is oh who am i gonna go to to homecoming dance yeah oh is this boy looking at me oh cheerleaders oh i don't like that girl because she's wearing a similar color dress to me yeah i mean I mean, I might be trivializing the whole thing, but the whole point is that that is that is teenage life. That's what they're dealing with, and I think for me, I I liked how they meshed that two together. Like it wasn't her being completely different because she's some kind of superhero. 
she is still a teenage girl who has to go through what teenage girls go through. No, I mean, I guess it's true. But I mean, I, I was just think like maybe off the back of As Told by Ginger and something so... <laughs> so good that's yeah yeah i mean it does feel like a come down from as told by ginger i have to say that's that's all i meant by um no no i know what you mean like because obviously they like as told by ginger they weren't afraid to tell these real stories yeah like but do it in a in a friendly cartoonish way whereas Maybe yeah, this this kind of was. I think it's a bit of a Disney disease, though. To be honest, is about Disney disease. I, that was uh, not even intentional, but I mean, like, <laughs> but I just mean like Disney seems to be like the the high school stuff seems to be about dances and 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 yeah, getting together with the opposite sex or probably now same sex. I don't even know. But what I mean is, it's like it's gotta be gotta include everybody. We all gotta be included. Yeah, so the Disney disease is like, <laughs> it just feels like, um, yeah, this is, it's all about um, kind of getting together. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't seem yeah. to be about anything more substantial than that. Like, and I'm talking like, you know, like back from like High School Musical and stuff like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I've the, never seen High School Musical, I, so I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. But I definitely know the premise and the music. It's like a musical, and I don't think I even know the premise. It's like. Zach Efron's in it, and that's all I know. Um, <laughs> um, but one thing I did like about Kim Possible was that, this, like you said it earlier, and you mentioned it in one of the reviews, that it's self awareness. Yeah. And I, I definitely had a little chuckle in like some of the episodes where they're like, um, I'll, 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 I'll go into it later in the episodes, but he's basically saying, "What are the chances of this happening?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it's things like that that I enjoyed, and and I, I like it when when something is able to look at itself and, you know, recognize that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So uh, I think that segues nicely into episodes then. Do you want to? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll crack on. But one, th- I have one question, right? What is it called? Do you know, like, uh, say like, um, a goodie will have a sidekick, right? But a baddie and they have like a partner, but it's not called a sidekick. It's called something else. Is it, is it not just called a psychic? No, but I think it's like an, uh, it begins with A. I'm sure it begins with A. But I can't think think of the name because I just wrote about the sidekick minimus is bipolar. But it, it, the sidekick... That's in Atomic Betty. Oh, oh, yeah, hang on. Sorry, that's a different note. Okay. Yeah, Maximus and Minimus. But yeah, I, I was just thinking, but there is a word for the sidekick that's... Um, I'm on the wrong... Am I going to have to Google it? Nah, it's all right. Let me just get to my notes and we'll crack on straight into episodes. Yeah, should I start? Yeah, yeah, episodes? go for it. Cool. Um, right, okay, so started with the pilot series one, episode one. I th- hope it's that one. Um, so this one, so, so this is why I'm writing down the notes about the the people. It seems to, it seems to be about boy issues and, and nothing more substantial than that. Um, because the first episode, she wa- she's crushing on this guy and she can't talk to him and she wants to ask him to the dance. And then she gets a call from her secret agent friend, Wade, who's kind of her little cute character, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and then and then she's off on this adventure and she can't ask this boy out, but she can like save the planet, which is like, whoa, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. I actually did make some notes about episode one. So I'll let you finish and then I'll just do my little bit on episode one. Okay, so probably way more substantial than mine. So they they go they get a call saying some something's going down in Tokyo, but she's got like a, a like a website 
saying like email me your problems and yeah. I'll get to them sort of thing um, but she's basically picking and choosing these jobs because she's got loads like go and cut some ladies grass and, and things like <laughs> that I thought that the, the theme tune sounded like Britney Spears yeah right and yeah. then straight away she's on Britina Spears's jet or something like something. is that the name yeah something like Britina Spears or something it was not that it was trust me it was <laughs> It, and I was like, I was like, no way, I was right. <laughs> but the thing is, I like, like I think I've said it before, but I don't look up this information when I'm watching it because I like this bit when you tell me, yeah, either I'm right or I'm wrong. I kind of look forward to that bit. <laughs> um, so basically, this geezer, and I thought this was quite cool. So the whole thing is, Doctor Draken has stolen an entire factory. Yeah, right, and then. Well, I don't know why I've written the parents are cool. No, about it, which is cool. But um, oh, so she's kind of telling. She's gone home and she's telling her parents about what's happened. Yeah, and and she's obviously telling the parents about. Oh, I want to ask this boy out. Yeah, and he's like, oh, <laughs> are you gonna go with Ron? <laughs> it's like, no, I want to go out with a, a proper boy. And he's like, I think he's just like saying, oh, forget that. You just talk about your other problems. Yeah, and he's, he's trying to like ship her off to back yeah. to Tokyo to get this thing sorted because he'd rather have a, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, like yeah. Dyson with death rather than <laughs> being with a boy, which I thought was quite Typical funny. Typical dad. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that little bit. And then, so she tries to ask Josh to the dance, but she flops it in, in, in a very shortened way. Um, and one thing I really liked was Ron's just asking everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote it down. It was so funny. So he's there in Germany, and so he's asking this oh, he's guy. Like oh, nine. Yeah, and he's like nine. He goes, oh nine, it's plenty, and he's like, it means no. Laugh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, why? I'm a bomb diggity dancer. That yeah. made me laugh. He kept saying, oh, it's Ron, bomb diggity dancer. No, I did like. Ron was was hilarious actually. No, no, that that actually made me laugh. The nine line. <laughs> He's like nine. That's plenty. It's like that means nine. nine it Germany. means no. Uh, That's actually the only thing I wrote about that episode. Bomb diggity dancer. <laughs> nine. Nine is plenty. It means no. That's all I wrote. Is that because you knew I'd do the episode thing? Yeah. Um, so I'll let you crack on. Uh, anyway, so they go back to Tokyo. They start fighting, um, and Kim's having a crack at a nemesis woman what's the nemesis woman's name i couldn't I, she go so she she was fighting she go and she's still got time to save ron who's in a is in an old a whole different mess but one thing i found quite interesting was that the the the, the robot that, that the baddie had and made was made out of assembly line robots yeah so, so i thought that was quite an interesting because if you've ever seen like cars on an assembly line where the robots are just putting the car together and they're like if they did turn bad, that would be quite quite the uh, story. Um, yeah, basically, she put something on the um, the override switch. Wade kind of remotely takes it down. And then she kind of does this spinny aroundy leg thing, like on Star Wars Episode Five. Yeah. With the speeders in Hoth. And the robot falls over, takes it down. Kim saves the day. She goes back and asks Josh if, you, if he'll go to the dance with her. And he says, yes. That's Episode One. Yeah, that was pretty much what I had for episode one, so. Do you want to have a go? Uh, Do you want to flip-flop it until I've run out? No, you, I, I, you go, because I know you watched a lot less than I did. So. Okay, fair enough. So I went on to season two, episode 30, 
um, which, which was called Museum Tour. And this is where um, I was... Episode 30? Yeah. I, I got Rewriting History. I think I watched that too. Oh, yeah. So I didn't... I, again, I didn't write the names, the yeah, proper names yeah. down. The episode is Rewriting History. I watched that too. Okay. So it has... Um, I'm not sure if anyone's seen Emperor's New Groove or Family Guy. So in Family Guy, there's Joe. Uh, and he's he has the same voice as this... The, 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 not the creator, the, the tour guide. And it's Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, who's the uh, kind of henchman of the... Henchman! It's not A, but it's... um. That's not the word. No, it's not the word, is it? But he's no. a henchman of the of the uh, the of um, um. Yeah, villains can have super kick, super, super side sidekicks. Kick. No, but I don't think that's the word. Um. Anyway, so. Uh. So Kronk from Emperor's New Groove is is the tour guide. Yeah. Um. And so Kim's. He's kind of shown around, and then Kim's ancestor, is is kind of in this picture. And it turns out that she's a criminal. And obviously she's like this superhero, right? So that's a big shock. And she pulled off the crime of the century. And her name was Miriam Possible, right? I think so, yeah. And then they shortened it to like Mim Possible. I couldn't remember. Something like that. Um, so anyway, she, she she disappeared with a new invention. No one ever found it. No one ever found her. Um, and... So then they kind of flash back to the past where this actually happened and there was Detective Stoppable um, and Joe from Family Guy. <laughs> um, and there was no, but there's no conclusive evidence to, to, uh, to prove that, to prove that Miriam actually did what she was accused of doing. So she was trying to keep, it turns out that she was trying to keep this thing safe um it's wade's ancestor that built the thing that she was accused of stealing and draken's ancestor stole it so everyone's kind of still related here uh kim's nemesis woman shigo was actually she was the one that actually did the cat burglary to steal this yeah. thing in the first place and um they have like these pictures that um from 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 back in the day and the problem was that his flash ran out, so they were, and it was you know the old Victorian flash where they lit some thing on fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he didn't have any left. So Wade digitally enhances the pictures that he's been given, and that like that reveals some more evidence um, to say that where this thing is and and what and what actually happened. So, and it turns out that. The device was lost in this, this kind of fight with um, Impossible and um, Shigo's ancestor, and it 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 kind of it, so it went missing. And during that little scrap, the device was, so this was an electrostatic receiver, so basically or charger or something. So so basically, it would emit static electricity. And the, the, the inventor said, "I don't know what this is for, but it'd be quite someone will figure out something for it." Um, and like if you discharge it straight away it's a little ch shock but if you kind of wait it's a big shock right so the the, the device was charged for a hundred years and and obviously now it's due to go off like that day that hour within a couple of minutes so they're all kind of trying to find it and they find it in this taco stall that um uh ron's ancestor 
this guy was sending tacos and he says, do you want to taste the future? And, and Ron's the only one that likes it. <laughs> so he goes, yeah. and, he goes and has a taco. And it, I remember that. It was in that taco that the device had fallen in and no one found it. Um, okay, so they find it and um, it's ready to go off, uh, but Draken steals it. And because it's going to blow up, Kim then drags him down. Um, so Draken and Shigo drags them down off the thing because otherwise they're going to die. So he kind of say they Kim saves them. And then it's all a dream. They've fallen asleep in the museum because it's so boring. Um, and then whilst that happens, the, the, so this curator is bringing in this exhibit, which is a giant statue of an, of an ancestor of Ron, who happens to be this gladiator. Yeah. And that was kind of the end of the episode. Um, unless you've got an ending for it. Um, I then went on to series three, episode 11, which was... Um, this lunch lady turns into this weird thing and and starts writing Run Stoppable on the wall in gravy. Um, and then something about Vow and Japan. Don't know what that means. So Kim, so Kim goes to um, uh, so so Ron goes to Japan, and Kim doesn't know about um, this woman called Yuri who has previously trained Ron to fight and to, to to do things like that. And so Ron has to go on a secret mission to because his sensei has gone missing. And uh, he has to find find his sensei and there's a monkey fist guy that I had not previously been introduced to that he's on the lookout for as well. And Kim gets a bit kind of funny about the fact that he's gone away with this girl and she gets a bit jealous and she's like, she's not, happy that he's he's going out and doing this she's he's, she's more concerned that he's gone out and and been um uh away with this girl so anyway it turns out that the monkey fist guy did not kidnap the sensei um and then they all get captured by this huge gorilla thing in in japanese uh like looks like samurai armor um and then kim arrives there and to try and kind of save them and Kim and Yuri are kind of competing for uh, Ron and so the Japanese armor lady is is the one that she fancies monkey fist guy <laughs> so she tries she kind of just basically she's a lot bigger than him he's like this monkey thing and she's like this like what would be a silverback gorilla um, so she kind of grabs hold of him basically and that's like he's definitely saying that and um yuri tells ron that she fancies him basically in a, in a kind of you know like kind of no uncertain terms way and then he doesn't he just basically doesn't get it <laughs> and and kim tells him so kim tells ron what, what what's actually just gone on and he's like really that's what that's what happened and then so kim but kim is also kind of hinting the fact that she likes him and then he's like oh man why can't girls be more straightforward i exactly is this like exactly how are we supposed to know um and then kim's all saying oh yeah kind of thing and oh um, see i'm with that see that's why i like ron he's so relatable yeah he's just he is relatable to be fair and yeah so kim's just kind of gets all shy and coy and and doesn't um do anything about this um say something one way or another no exactly i mean you would know right Ladies, come on. You know you do this. 
Ladies, you know you do this. And the worst thing, they'll be like, no, we're not. <laughs> a lady will tell you with a straight face that she ain't doing that. Yeah. It's like, yes, you are. With a straight face, they're going to tell you, we're not doing that. No, we're not. Yes, you is. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, went straight on to episode 12 of uh, series three then. Uh, and this is my final one. So, uh, so Kim and Ron cast get cast into a movie after a bad guy um so they try and stop some bad guys who are trying to steal um the entire tower of london and what the the guy's done is he's accidentally homed in on um, a set they built in new zealand because they didn't it was cheaper than filming in london so so they've accidentally so they've accidentally gone to new zealand instead and when they so when kim goes to stop them the movie director says stop what's going on this and that and the other and they end up casting kim and so they 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 don't cast the, them two. They, what they say is like, oh, you're this is great movie kind of thing. What you're doing. So they cast some actors to play them in an, in a new movie that they're making. Um, and so the actors follow Kim and uh, and Ron about to get you know to kind of get into the method acting and uh, you know and figure out their actual part. And Ron hates his guy. Like he thinks he's, he's an idiot. All he says is whatever. Um, <laughs> if Ron hates him, then he's genuinely a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the the bad guys attacks the um, the bad guys kind of attack the the where this film's going on, but they attack for real. But the director just kind of rolls on it. But the uh, the actual the, the actors get they come unstuck and they're no good. And then um, uh, the real Ron and kim have to kind of take over and and they kick some ass or kind of thing um yeah and that's kind of the end of the episode end of the series i think that was no not not, not the end of the whole thing just the end of series three yeah um but they did come back for series four yeah but i didn't watch series four so that's on i didn't watch series three so uh I think I think I think I've got as, two as, episodes in for series three that's pretty good yeah as i say as as ever you and i will uh always come together and mesh everything up like magnet and steel <laughs> <laughs> right so okay so episode four is tick 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 so basically kim is very very tardy which is american for late and tardy tardy yeah. uh, do you know what Tardiness is something I cannot tolerate. Lateness. Yeah. You're not American about tardiness. It's Late, something lateness, I cannot tolerate. Lateness in a professional environment is a big no-no for me. I mean, in a, in a social setting, I'm... Oh, yeah, like I'm social bad. setting. Look, look I'm not but being... professionally, I'm take care of business. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, like, like socially, like, it's social. There's no, there's kind of no rules. But, yeah, professionally, if you're late, that's it, game over. Yeah agreed and so she has to do a detention because basically yeah mr barkin was like yeah you're you've broken the three strikes tardy policy and so you have to go to detention but she has to do a mission i can't remember what the what the mission was and so she's trying to fit everything into that I think she has to like go to another country and save some people from a burning bush. I don't know, something <laughs> along those lines. It, it it could easily just just be that. 
and Ron and the naked mole rat, they're trying to like get her out and they're trying to distract. And so Mr. Barkin's like, ah, what is that? What is that? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So he sees the naked mole and he's like, oh, we have to put this whole room in quarantine now. <laughs> we have to put the whole room in quarantine because of this naked mole rat or whatever. And, uh, yeah, and I think how it kind of ends is that she has to do the detention no matter what. doesn't matter what mission she's doing. So, yeah, that's a, a good example of how she has to try and mesh her superhero life with her school life. Yeah. It's like no matter how important she thinks she is, if you got to go to a detention, you got to go to a detention. You can't no-show. Otherwise, you'll get another detention, as I uh, once found out the hard way of not attending a detention. You skipped a detention? I skipped a detention. Why? Because... And, and I got it I got it both barrels so <laughs> it was a mass detention because I, I felt unjustly because I, I genu- genuinely forgot my homework at home Yeah, and I didn't felt like the punishment it fit the crime. the crime was it an after school detention yeah or? and after school I got an after school detention story after this as well and I missed it and so it was like oh because you missed the detention you'll have to do an hour with me and there was this thing at our school called whole school detention. So that means like basically all of... It's like a, a motley crew of naughty kids in a classroom. <laughs> and you have to do lines for like an hour. I had to do that. How did, how did you do lines? Did you write the, letter, the, the words down in a, in a, in a column? Or I don't you... care because I didn't have to finish. <laughs> I didn't have to finish it. So I was just, I, I, I was just dawdling in that, in that, in that detention. But no, yeah, Mr. Openshaw, that was his name, maths teacher. Mr. Openshaw. Yeah, he gave me a, gave me a detention. I had to do an hour with him, and I had to do a ha- an hour with the whole school. So it would be like two big rooms, and they would just be designated for kids doing detention. So there would be late detention. So for tardy kids, there would be a special detention for them in one room. And then it would be whole school detention. So it would, just, it would be everybody from every year just rounding up in this classroom. We we never did that. So I had one after school detention where I didn't have my. So we had a three strikes homework policy. So you've got your homework three times, instant after school detention. That's fair enough. So, three strikes. Yeah, I know, but the problem was I didn't do my homework. Um, but then you deserve it. No, you're right. But what, the thing is, I did my homework. I just did not put it in my bag. I had one time when my 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 teacher was saying, um, "I've got your homework," and I'm going through my bag. And it was in my bag, and and I was basically notorious for not doing my homework, right? And and the, and I was going through my bag trying to find my homework, and the teacher was saying, "Oh, stop it! Like it's getting painful now watching you like pretend <laughs> to get homework." Are you one of them ones? Oh, I'm 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 quickly checking, trying yeah. to stall the, the teacher. Is, but the thing is, like, like normally nine times out of ten, I, I never did my homework. My, yeah, my French teacher stopped asking me for my homework. Um, because oh because I never did, and I got very bad grades. Oh dear! Oh dear! Uh, um, and so I pulled out my homework from the bag after like five minutes of oh. searching for it, and and she was like, "Okay, fair enough, sorry." And I was like, "But, I was just, but it was literally the one time I had it." Um, but back to the after school story. So I had three. I was on my third strike. Right, this was like, um, I'm out. I'm gonna get an after school. So I decided 
that I would skip class. Uh, and if you skip class, it was an instant after school detention. But I thought, but the, thing, the problem was, I'd just been to afternoon registration. And then my, my maths so class. So they know you're there. They knew I was there. and I, But I was stupid. I was like, I, I think I was in, it's not what year I was in, but anyway, I was too young to be thinking about anything else and I, anyway so I, I skipped class and I skipped the rest of the day at school and then I just got the bus home and I went uh, went back and then by the time I got home my parents had already received a phone call and I got told off by them as soon as I walked through the door <laughs> and I got an after school detention double whammy so the last episode of season one low budget so basically Kim gets a fight into, with an alligator and it ruins her stylish jeans. And Ron is like telling her, look, you can go to uh, a shop called Smarty Mart, which is basically like a Primark, really. So it's like you can just get like dead cheap clothes and whatever. And, chi- and Kim was like, oh, no, I want to go to Club Banana, which is like the designer clothing, which I'm guessing is a parody of Banana Republic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name because Club that's... Banana, <laughs> <laughs> and and basically there is a uh, a Smarty Mark clerk who's basically you trying to use barcodes of expired products to destroy the internet. So he's using a voice going, "If you don't give me a one dollar, I will take over the world." And so he's got all these people trying to like give him a dollar or whatever, and Ron's like, "Hmm." For a villain, it doesn't seem quite bad if everyone just gives him a dollar. That's all he wants. And when he realizes that nobody gives him the dollar, he's starting to like make people like buy spam or whatever with like a dodgy code or and and he's making them buy all of those and he's trying to take over the whole internet and the whole world through that means. And Kim and Ron find out who he is, so he's just basically some bloke from Philadelphia. So they go to his house and to his mum's basement where they find him. And she's like, oh, hey, do you want cookies? And he's like, ma, I'm playing with my friends in that Philadelphian accent, which I can't do for the life of me. So I'm not even going to bother, even though I tried there. And yeah, it just ends with them stopping him by making sure people don't buy products with uh with the barcodes on it and what have you and uh they end up saving the world season two episode one naked genius so basically ron is failing algebra and kim is basically trying to teach him how to figure out algebra how to add up the numbers and 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 what have you and He's looking at uh, Rufus and he's like, oh, Rufus, I I don't know. Like, maybe you should try and do the homework. And Rufus goes, okay, I'll do it. So the little mole rat is writing everything down and it ends up being all the right answers. And so the teacher is like, yeah, I don't believe you did this. Like, tell me the truth. Who did your homework? And he goes, oh, oh, no living person did my homework. And so he's got Rufus underneath his arm. So she does like this massive equation on the board. And so he's always got Rufus underneath his arm. So he's just writing it down and jotting it down. And they're like, you are an algebra genius. And so he has to do all these lectures and talks. And he has to invent all of this stuff. So he has to invent a cure for a medicine. He has to try and invent 
everything possible, but nobody knows it's just basically Rufus. And so Wade is like, how are you doing this? And so he's like on a computer going, fine, do all these equations, do all these problems. And he obviously got Rufus underneath him typing everything. He's like, you're, 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 you're smarter than I am. How is this even possible? And then, meanwhile, you've got Dr. Draken, who's trying to construct a doomsday device. And Ron, he, he kidnaps Ron because he thinks that Ron is a genius and that Ron can be the one to like make this doomsday device. And so, yeah, he's like to Ron, you need to do this. I know you're a genius. I've seen you all over the news because he's like all over the news. And it's so funny. Like the uh, news reporters are like, oh, so what is your big dreams? What is your aim? And he goes, I just want to pass algebra. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in front of this TV and he's like, I just want to pass algebra. <laughs> and everyone's all laughing. Going, ha, 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 look at this guy. He's just a normal guy. And then Kim who wasn't particularly fond of Rufus, they basically joined together to save Ron. And so Ron, then he's back to normal, just being clumsy old Ron. We spoke about rewriting history. That was a really good episode, by the way. I, I actually really liked it. It was a good episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the finale. So it's basically graduation. And... Ron is worrying that graduation is going to mean change and he's thinking that it's going to mean the end of his romantic relationship with Kim and on graduation day they get abducted by invaders and so these invaders I think they're Lawidian or whatever they are Warhawk the Conqueror and what what have you and they're even bigger villains than Draken and Shigo. And yeah, they end up kidnapping Kim. And Ron is like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. And it actually turns out that Ron is the monkey man. Or he's got like monkey powers or something like that. And it's so funny because it's like every time he's doing all the stuff, you can hear like the monkey now in the background going. Ah, 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 and he's just doing the whole like slow motion effect and you hear in the background that ah, 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 you know sound of uh of the monkey and i just yeah while it was meant to be like a a seminal moment in the series and a, a coming out party for ron it was just funny just hearing the monkey noise in the background and it's just like it's just typical ron that even though that he becomes this massive superhero he's still a massive goof and yeah they end up saving the world and they end up getting like graduated and kim assures ron that nothing's going to change that you and i are going to be together and it's all good in the hood and that was kim possible which i ended up really liking in the end yeah i think there was like there was definitely some really good bits and then just some yeah kind of nothing bits yeah it, yeah it yeah. wasn't a bad cartoon no at not all. at all, not and what, at all. one thing i really liked was the pace of it it was kind of like very like yeah. boom 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 done yeah 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 and uh yeah I, I i liked kim possible it was a pretty good show i mean i had heard of it but it was i think slightly 
after my time so it wasn't going to be something that i was going to go out of my way to watch and yeah let's now move on to atomic betty and we're going back to hello september my old friend <laughs> i've come to talk with you again yeah so we're going to september 2004 so some of the things happening in the world the x factor makes its worldwide debut premiering for the first time in the uk and will later go on to become the biggest television show in history a father's for justice protester dressed as batman breaches security at buckingham palace and scales a wall he remains on a balcony for five hours before being arrested by police south korea admits that in the year 2000 its scientists secretly enriched uranium near nuclear weapon level kung fu hustle was in the cinemas and these words by natasha beddingfield was number one in the charts i know who natasha beddingfield is but i don't not sure if i know that song that sounds about white but you would know natasha <laughs> beddingfield and you wouldn't know ashanti or christina millian hey but no yeah natasha beddingfield yeah that's a yeah, she was a half-decent artist. Her brother was Daniel Beddingfield. I know him as well. Yeah, they're brother and sister. Huh. I would never never Singing guessed. brother and sisters, they were. So yeah, Atomic Betty, or as the later series, Atomic Betty Mission Earth, is a Canadian flash animated science fantasy comedy TV series. Produced by Atomic Cartoons, Breakthrough Entertainment, Tilly Images Kids and Marathon Media. And it's all about Betty Barrett, who is a 12-year-old girl who enjoys school, daydreaming about living in outer space, sci-fi movies and singing in her musical band. She lives in Moose Jaw Heights, which is a fictional suburb of the real place called Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan which is about as Canadian as it can possibly get. Like you, with Atomic Betty, I could tell instantly it was Canadian. I had no idea. No idea. Love Canada. Loved it when I was there. And uh, yeah, it's all love. I love the maple syrup you've got, maybe that's still in the fridge. It's so good. <laughs> yes, that maple syrup was the one. And, uh, have it with peanut butter. Really? Woo-wee! Name me a more iconic duo. I'll wait, listeners. Maple syrup and peanut butter. I'm going to try it tonight, maybe. But yeah, anyway, uh, I digress. I think I think with Atomic Betty, it's a very... Uh, I don't want to say forgettable because... Uh, do you know what I'm thinking? Ten minutes an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that is, that is the redeeming quality that will never, ever be a bad thing in my eyes. Ten minutes to the point. I was like... Even the finale, which was like, it was 20 minutes. Oh, really? I didn't watch the finale. Yeah. But, um, and uh, yeah, she's quite unassuming on Earth. But throughout the galaxy, she's a massive, massive superstar. And people consider her to be a role model. And the show includes frequent references to other well-known works of pop culture. So like your Star Wars, Matrix, Transformers. So they kind of take things from those uh, franchises. Run through of the characters. Yep, you got Betty. 
You got Sparky, who's like the alien lieutenant and pilot. X5 is the rectangular yellow hovering robot. And he basically spouts too much information at inopportune times. You got Admiral DeGill, who's the commanding officer of the Galactic Guardians. You got Maximus IQ, who's the main antagonist of the series and Betty's arch enemy. And you've got Minimus, who is the villain sidekick, which is very much a thing. Villain sidekick is, yeah, that's what it is. It's a thing. And so, yeah, you, uh, you want to talk about Atomic Betty, what you thought? Yeah, so I... So I... When I when I was watching Atomic Betty, I was thinking this reminds me of something, and I couldn't work out what what it was from. I'm not sure if it was like a. It felt like a kind of a Cartoon Networky show. Um, I couldn't really. I couldn't couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, so I wrote down the characters' names. Um, I thought it was the 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 psychic geezer. You know, I think we mentioned it earlier about him being the bipolar was quite funny. Yeah. Um, I think that. The the episodes were quite easy to get my head around, but it's quite a lot of loose character. You've obviously got the C three PO character and things like that, the bumbling statistician, yeah, kind of th- thing going on. Um, but very basic cartoon. Should yeah, we say? I was going to say it's incredibly like, basic. Um, I did write in my notes was the uh, was Maximus's side. So Maximus was he sideshow bob but i've since you told me straight up no and done the research and it's definitely not it was colin fox yeah so i've i it was um what's it called uh kelsey grammar was the the guy that did sideshow bob and that was not him no uh Uh, yeah to be honest i didn't really write much notes about the much notes i didn't write many notes about the uh the actual kind of show we just did like a um you know what the show was about because it was not much to say about it really yeah i mean do you want to just go to episodes then straight in then um so episode one series one was uh betty's mum cut her hair to s- yeah to save her money yeah uh so she goes to school and it's obviously picture day episode uh, title was atomic roger by the way atomic roger Oh yeah, Atomic Roger has already stopped the baddies. Um, yeah, so she she gets so an alarm goes off on her phone and she has to go and she gets kind of like beamed into this kind of Starship Enterprise kind of um, yeah. situation, right? Where she's kind of on the thing and she's talking. And then so the baddies up to no good, trying to steal gold so he can make a massive statue of himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. You know what? What else? Why? Why not? Um, but when they get there, Atomic Roger has already stopped the baddies. So like, there's this new kind of kid on the block, Atomic Roger. He's got a fantastic haircut. Um, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so when they get there, yeah, and he's kind of this arrogant kind of Johnny Bravo kind of character. Um, not without the... Um, Misogyny. And- yeah. Um, so... Uh, so he actually even managed to save Bessie at some point. She got into some difficulty. Um, and one thing I really enjoyed about this episode was that he was always calling the different names. Like he, he, he didn't remember <laughs> yeah. names. He was always just like just calling just a random typical man, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I did laugh at that. That was quite funny. Um, uh, and then Maximus makes uh, like this big machine, 
and Rogers, they kind of have this scuffle and Rogers' hair get knocked off and it turns out it's not even his real hair. Um, and then Betty just uses a slingshot to break the machines just straight through the window, um, straight into like this uh, air duct and into the main reactor and knocks it out. Yeah. Um, uh, then Roger turns out to be a creep and no one likes him because he has fake hair. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the machine's dead. Like no one likes Roger anymore. And then she goes to, so she goes to school and has to have a photo done with his bad haircut. And everyone's laughing at her until the photographer's like, "Oh, Betty, that's that's cool. That's that cool haircut." And then everyone likes her hair again, or her, uh, likes her as well. Um, so quick fire ten minute episodes. Like I said, back on to episode two, toxic talent. So um, I enjoyed this episode actually. Betty's rehearsing for a school talent show. She's kind of got this uh, band thing going on. And the X5 and Sparky are in the spaceship and they're talking about this beetle that mo- that eats anything that moves. Um, and one is in the spaceship. So uh, Betty kind of bashes it up and Sparky puts it in the jar. And uh, Betty's not allowed to play in the concert. She gets banned from a f- f- from a, a nemesis. I can't remember what a nemesis name is. Um, and so Maximus IQ is playing sound at this planet. He's keeping him kind of um, uh, prisoner because he wants to get some like mining rights for for this <laughs> thing. And he's, and they said no, so he's just kind of playing music at them, which is kind of torturing them. It's quite funny. And 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 then um, they figure out that the the sound isn't being played from his spaceship. It's being played from. So the the source of the music isn't from the spaceship. It's from Earth. So. Uh, and so they go to, um, so they go to, so Betty's trying to stop him playing the music, but they said, oh, why don't we just put something else in the, in the music Yeah. to, to you know, to make it better. And then when they, they go back, it was the students, the music he's playing to the people is the students rehearsing for their uh, talent show, which I thought was quite funny and, and a little bit sickly and a bit like, the please just get on with it. Um, yeah. way um, Betty decides to play her music and then the the planet loves it and that's the end of that yeah that's how that episode finishes and that's, that's what I thought was pretty uh, and this one was kind of I didn't write what episode n- number this was but it was like an evil annual general meeting kind of thing where all the bad supervillains in the galaxy get together um, and and Betty was told, "Don't let the." Cat. This is one thing I quite found quite funny. Was Betty was told, "Don't let the cat out," <laughs> and then the cat ends up going on the adventure with Betty into the spaceship and things like that. <laughs> and um, so Maxim has a meeting at the HQ of all these evil people. Um, uh, the spaceship goes out of control because the this must be on the one with the beetle in. Um, Oh no! Yeah, so the spaceship goes out of control and it goes crazy, and, and Betty kind of saves it and pulls the spaceship back into control. And uh, Sparky is poorly, or and he's basically allergic to the cat. And um, uh, Betty and the crew dress up as um, as villains, uh, and they manage to bypass security and they get in. Um, and the cat, so they they find the, the they get found out whilst we're in there basically, and the cat gets chased but caught you know have you ever seen a cat when it's scared yeah and it just kind of runs everywhere and it breaks everything and <laughs> that's basically what the cat scattering. was scattering yeah so that's what the cat was doing in this episode because kind of breaking the show and 
Betty and the crew get found out as Sparky tries to save the cat. X5 gets shot up. And Betty and the crew get captured after a fight. Uh, Maximus, give, Maximus gives Betty plans for no reason. Like, hands her these, these plans. And um, Maximus's robot smashes up the spaceships trying, <laughs> trying to kill the cat. Uh, <laughs> Um, and there's like a space chase, like a, like a, you know, like a yeah, yeah. kind of chase scene. But that just ends really suddenly. And then Betty saves the day. Like she kind of just uses her kick-ass powers and kind of just stops it all dead. Uh, and then they all go home and, and the cat's scared because it went on an adventure. Um, so it, one thing one thing I did notice about the show is it kind of does just, Kind of when it decides yeah. it's had enough, it just stops. Dead. Yeah, like yeah. Be- like they'll they'll have this kind of like five minute to and fro, and then Betty will end it, and they're back home. Um, and the final episode I watched was one where Betty was watering the lawn, and her mum says, "Water the lawn and look after the cat." And then the cat eats a fish, and so she gets mad and chases him. And then she gets a call and say, "Maximus is creating this bio weapon," um, and the weapon basically. It it's quite funny because uh, the weapon chokes a desolate planet by um, creating vegetation. So it, it chokes it, but obviously that's like kind of counterintuitive. And the way that they get into this like lair on this planet was quite funny because he he says the, the X five goes up and pretends to be like selling this magazine um, that's like Gatekeeper Monthly. And he says, like, come out, I'll give you a subscription. And it's, and Gatekeeper <laughs> monthly. <laughs> and it's, it's quite a funny little little to and fro. And these like these little moments I really like in this in this, in this this show. Um, and there's kind of a big fight. And um, the robot gets... The, so there's this, this little vial is kind of held in place by this super magnet. And it turns out that X5 has got a magnet. And he just kind of zaps it. And he's got the uh the the super weapon and then they kind of drop it and all the the flowers just grow on the planet and it's that's that and they end up going home um and then betty's got some of this like a uh, super growth formula and she kind of drops a drop on the grass and so all her lawn looks really good when her mum gets home and um and then she, she puts a sprinkler on so the cat gets soaked because that's what because she was eating the fish and again End. Finn. <laughs> That's all the episodes I watched. Okay, so I watched quite a few. We spoke about the pilot, Atomic Roger. I watched Crass Min Menagerie. I don't know sure if I said that right. Menagerie. Yeah. So basically, Betty is letting all this stuff that like admiration get to her head she's basically the most popular gal in the galaxy and sparky and f5 are feeling left out and so they're all like you know what we're gonna quit after this last project we're just gonna leave betty to it she doesn't care about us two it's all about betty 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 but then when maximus captures betty and he's basically creating a menagerie which is basically a collection of rare beings and objects from around the galaxy and so they're like oh she's trying to think oh where my friends are they not going to help me and they're all going oh 
should we help her? Should we not help her? And they're like, okay, fine. I'll help her. And then after that, I'm going to quit. And yeah, so they basically end up rescuing her. And yeah, you know like how you were saying, like when it ends, it just... Ends. Yeah. Ends, yeah. And so that's how that episode ends. And because it's obviously 10 minutes each episode as well. So they haven't got time to, Yeah. I guess. Straight on to the next one. Yeah. I watched episode 16A, which was The Trouble with Triplets. So Maximus uses the DNA from a lock of Betty's hair to create better versions of Betty and wreak havoc throughout the galaxy. And the authorities are blaming Betty for the destruction because obviously it looks like her. And Betty's like, what are you talking about? I'm here on Earth. And they're like, well, someone that looks like you completely destroyed the the galaxy so what you got to do what you got to say about that and so she's um in earth she has to go to a uh a clog dance with her parents clog dance he- like clog, dutch yeah, dutch clogs clog, yeah and so she has to go to heritage day celebration so yeah maybe she's dutch she has to do the clog dance or whatever and so basically she manages to manipulate the little mouse with clogs on <laughs> yeah so she manages to manipulate the the triple betty's and they managed to stop maximus from making whatever it was he was trying to do and she goes back to earth just in time so she can clog dance the night away with her parents and season two episode 1b the new neighbor nuclear so she's like a new villain she's moving into maximus's territory and space and he wages war against her and when trouble brews between maximus and nuclear betty's the one that comes and settles their rivalry and betty has a new friend called paloma who moves into the neighborhood and they get to know each other and Episode 26 was Takes One to No One. So in this episode, Betty is invited to Noah's place. Noah is like one of her mates from school. And he's about to show her a satellite radio that basically eavesdrops on Admiral Gill's personal activities. And she's seeing that Duncan, someone called Duncan, is chasing Paloma as a result of a prank. And basically, a spaceship just abducts Paloma. And to Betty's horror, she discovers that Sparky and X5 are being held hostage by Paloma's younger sister, Juanita. And Juanita tells Betty that she's a galactic guardian and she's responsible for Paloma's safety. And... Betty and her crew are forced to accept help from Juanita to save Paloma. I think this was broken up into two episodes. So that so the second episode or the part two is them saving Paloma from her kidnappers and, and what have you. As we always say with this show, it just ends. And then the finale. I mean I mean I might be I might sound bored. But I'm not like it's not a bad show. It's not like it's not Biker Mice from Mars. No. I don't know why I brought Do Biker Mice from Mars up. I don't know why I brought it up. <laughs> None of my business. 
I don't know. I, I don't even know why I brought that up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so the finale. I actually forgot to write it down. So Betty celebrating her thirteenth birthday. This episode was quite confusing, and they're arranging a surprise birthday party, and so X Five has managed to complete a time machine. And as a sign of the accomplishment, Admiral de Gill is ordered to present the time machine at the Galactic Council. But this is a trap set by Maximus. And he captures the time machine and travels into the future with Sparky, X5, Beatrixo, and Admiral de Gill as hostages. And yeah, so they go into the future, into the time machine, and Betty meets uh, an older version of her. And she sees that the town that she lives in, Moose Jaw or Moose Village or wherever random Canadian town it is, Moose whatever, gets absolutely torn asunder. And so it's up to Betty to save the day. And yeah, so Penelope doesn't believe that Betty, Penelope's like the frenemy and she doesn't believe that Betty's this all action superhero because i think older version of penelope sends a message to younger version of penelope telling her what betty is and she's like oh whatever i don't believe it so load a cod swallop and uh, yeah it ends with betty just saying oh happy birthday to her older version and the older version saying happy birthday to the younger version and that was atomic betty betty oh okay i mean look it's not a bad show I will happily say that about it. No, it really not, wasn't a bad show. I no. actually enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was quite a fun show, and it was cute in places. But um, shall we pick? Um, yeah, I forgot to pick. To be honest, um, <laughs> uh, I think purely because of the um, the way I had more to say and everything else about it, it has to be impossible. Um, really enjoyed Ron. Really enjoyed like the kind of banter and the little bits and pieces. But yeah, I think purely because I had more to say about it. <laughs> I mean, is that really a reason? Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed I enjoyed um, Atomic Betty. I actually genuinely enjoyed it. But I think like, and actually, to be honest, I had some laugh out loud moments in Kim Possible. Yeah, same. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm I'm also gonna go with Kim Possible because of Ron. Because yeah. of how relatable Ron was, because of how weird and awkward and <laughs> bumbling he was, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Kim Possible for that reason. But yeah, like um, Atomic Betty wasn't bad at all. No, completely nothing but love. Actually, oh yeah, both shows were 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 fairly decent in their own ways. And uh, yeah, good job, guys. Good job. Now we come to the main event and yet yeah, we're going to dive into our first manga slash anime slash Shugo series. And disclaimer, guys, I studied Japanese for a little, little bit. I was awful at it. There's going to be a lot of pronunciations that require the 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 japanese if i butcher it please i beg i'm not doing it out of because i 
yeah, I'm doing it because out of love and I want to give anime and Sailor Moon in particular a lot, a lot of respect because this is an outstanding series and one that I enjoyed very, very much and I can't wait to, to, to get into it. So, uh, yeah, and I know anime fans, I know y'all don't play, so I'm going to give this as much respect as humanly possible. So let's go to March 1992, which is when Sailor Moon first aired in Japan. Donna Summer gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. White South Africans vote in favour of political reforms, which will end the apartheid regime and create a power-sharing multiracial government. Hooray for white people. <laughs> Had to get that in there, didn't you? <laughs> the People's Republic of China ratifies the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Basic Instinct was in the cinemas. And Stay by Shakespeare's sister was number one in the charts. And so, yeah, we are going to Sailor Moon or known in Japan as Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon. And so, yeah, as I was saying, it's a Japanese Shugo manga series written and illustrated by Naoko Takeuchi. And it follows the adventures of schoolgirl named Usagi Tsukino as she transforms into Sailor Moon to search for a magical artifact, the legendary silver crystal, or as it's known in Japanese, Maboroshi no Ginzuisho. And yeah, she leads a diverse group of comrades, the Sailor Soldiers, or the Sera Senshi as they battle against villains to prevent the theft of the silver crystal and the destruction of the solar system. And yeah, it got adapted into an anime series produced by Toei Animation and it was broadcast, as I was saying, in Japan from 92 to 97. Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon received acclaim with praise for its art, characterization and humor. The manga sold over 35 million copies worldwide making it one of the best-selling shugo manga series and the franchise also generated a whopping 13 billion dollars in worldwide merchandise sales sailor moon is one of the most popular manga series of all time and continues to enjoy high readership worldwide more than 1 million copies of its tankobon volumes had been sold in japan by the end of 1995 and by the series' 20th anniversary in 2012, the manga had sold over 35 million copies in over 50 countries. The manga won the Kodansha Manga Award in 1993 for Shugo. And the English, anim the English adaptations of both the manga and the anime series became the first successful Shugo title in the United States. And the character Sailor Moon is recognized as one of the most important and popular female superheroes of all time. And yeah, it became huge internationally. It was broadcast in Spain, France, in Russia, South Korea, the Philippines, China, Italy, Taiwan, Thailand, Indonesia, Hong Kong, before North America picked up the franchise for adaptation. 
in his 2007 book manga the complete guide jason thompson gave the manga series sailor moon three stars out of four he enjoyed the blending of shonen and shugo styles something is meant to be boy and girl so shonen for boy shugo for style so shonen manga would be a boy's magazine book and shugo manga would be for the ladies and said that the combat scenes seemed heavily influenced by saint Seiya, but shorter and less bloody thompson said that although audiences for sailor moon is both male and female takuchi oh no no sorry takeuchi does not use excessive fan service for males which will run the risk of alienating her female audience Thompson said fight scenes are not physical and boil down to their purest form of a clash of wills, which he says makes thematic sense for the manga. Sylvain Duran says the manga artwork is gorgeous, but its storytelling is more compressed and erratic and the anime has more character development. Durand said the sense of tragedy is greater in the manga's telling of the fall of the silver millennium given more detail about the origins of the shitenu and on usagi's final battle with the queen beryl and queen metaria and duran also said that the anime omits information that makes the story easy to understand but judges the anime more coherent with a better balance of comedy and tragedy whereas the manga is more tragic and focused on usagi and mamoru aka tuxedo masks romance and with the dynamic heroines and action-oriented plots many attribute the manga and anime series to be reinvigorating the magical girl genre and after the success of sailor moon many similar magical girl series including magic knight ray earth wedding peach nurse angel ririka sos saint tail and pretty cure all emerged and sailor moon is called the biggest breakthrough in english dubbed anime when it premiered on ytv and known as the pinnacle of little kid shugo anime and historian fred pratton credits takeuchi with popularizing the concept of super sentai like team of magical girls and paul gravett credits the series with revitalizing the magical girl genre itself a reviewer for them anime reviews also credited the anime series with changing the genre its heroine must use her powers to fight evil not simply have fun as previous magical girls had done in western culture sailor moon is sometimes associated with the feminist and girl power movements and with empowering its viewers, especially regarding the credible, charismatic and independent characterizations of the sailor soldiers, which were interpreted in France as an unambiguously feminist position. Sailor Moon developed a cult of following in English speaking countries. And Patrick Drazen has said that the Internet was the new medium of fan that fans would use to communicate and it played a role in the popularity of Sailor Moon. And fans would use the internet to communicate about the series, organize campaigns to return Sailor Moon to US broadcasts, and share information about episodes that had not yet been aired. 
or to even write fan fiction. In 2004, one study said that there were 3.335 million websites about Sailor Moon compared to just 491,000 for Mickey Mouse. Now in the uh, the 92 version, it was divided into five series. So you had the Sailor Moon, which was season one. You had Sailor Moon R, which was season two. Sailor Moon S, season three. Sailor Moon Super S was season four. And Sailor Moon Sailor Stars was the last of the original run. And then it came back in 2014, I believe, as Sailor Moon Crystal. Before I pass on to you some of the characters, like I said, you got Sailor Moon, who is Usagi Tsukino. She's obviously the main protagonist of the series and leader of the Sailor Guardians. She's a careless 14-year-old girl with an enormous capacity for love, compassion and understanding. She's a massive crybaby as well. And she transforms into the heroine called Sailor Moon, the guardian of love and justice. Moon Prism Power Makeup! I had to get that in again. I'll probably get it in again at some point again. <laughs> you got Sailor Mercury or Ami Mizuno. She's quiet but in an intelligent 14-year-old bookworm. And she was in Usagi's class. And she transforms in she transforms into Sailor Mercury, guardian of water and wisdom. Sailor Mars, Rai Hino. So she's a, an elegant 14-year-old shrine maiden and she has limited precognition and can dispel or nullify evil using special ofuda scrolls and she transforms into sailor mars the guardian of fire and passion sailor jupiter is makoto kino and she's a 14 year old girl in usagi's class and she was rumoured to have been expelled from her previous school for fighting. I think she's like the, the muscle of the group. And she's transformed into Sailor Jupiter, the guardian of thunder and courage. And then there's Minako Aino. And she is Sailor Venus. And she's a 14-year-old perky dreamer. She has a companion cat called Artemis. Who works alongside Luna in guiding the Sailor Guardians. And she transforms into Sailor Venus, the guardian of love and beauty. You got Tuxedo Mask or Mamuro Chiba. And they he has a, a psychic connection with uh, Usagi. And he can sense when she is in danger. And then it, and he takes on the, the, the form or the guise of Tuxedo Mask. And he fights alongside the guardians when he is needed. The, the the group of antagonists are Dark Kingdom or Daku Kingu Damu. And they are the first set of antagonists that the Sailor Guardians encounter. You got Luna or Runa. And she's a black cat who is devo who was a devoted servant to Princess Serenity. And she advises the mum Queen Serenity. And you got Artemis or Arutemisu. And this is the white cat companion to Minako and uh, Arutumisu trains her to become Sailor V and remains by her side when she takes on the role to be Sailor Venus. 
quick thing about Luna and Runa. So basically, in Japan, they don't have the letter L. So they just use that letter L and just say R. So, for example, I would be Abdura in uh, Japan because they don't have the letter L. That's a one, uh, one kind of trivial fact that I took from uh, my uh, Japanese class way back when. What were you going to say? I thought Luna was a goodie. Luna is a goodie. Luna is one of the cats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Luna and Arotomisu. Uh, I thought you were talking about the baddies. When no, 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 no. Yeah, I just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the baddies was uh, Daku, Kingudamu, and yeah, that... And the... Uh, yeah. I mean, as for names, please excuse me, because I'm probably just going to say the girl, the other girl, the one that floats and has a mask <laughs> on. You know, uh, I found... The thing is, one thing I let's no- talk about Sailor Moon. Yeah, let's so get one, let's get right into it. One thing I noticed was that it's like it's it's quite hard to watch. Like some of the other shows, you can watch when you've got a child running around because you don't have to be watching the screen hundred yeah. percent of the time, right? You can listen. So you take the eyes off the screen. With this one, I had no idea yeah. what was going on, and also I approached this in a slightly different way to normal. So normally, when I approach a show that you sent me or to to to, to watch for this podcast, I try and you know get kind of like a like a, a good view overall view of the cartoon. So I'll watch the, you know the first one, then I'll go a couple of uh, series in, and then I will watch another one, and then another series in, and watch another one. Yeah, I approach this slightly differently, and I watch four in a row. Just like straight up for cartoons. So from season one, episode one, two, three, four. Yeah. And n- now listening to you go through the overview and the series and everything else, I completely regret that because I feel like I would have got, although I kind of got a feel for the characters that were there, I feel like I missed out on an awful lot down the line. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, but I would be looking forward to hearing you talk about that in a second. Um, as well, for- I've, what, I've, what I've done is that I've done a little summary of all of the original Sailor Moon. Yeah. So just a just a brief of what happens in each one. Of course, I probably missed out a little bit because they're like forty episodes each. Yeah, yeah, of course. Each series, but uh, yeah. If you, I mean, I d- I just I don't know. I just want to talk about this show because it's mad. Because when I again started this podcast, a lot of people were like, "Have you heard of Sailor Moon?" I was like, "No." I had no. They were like, either. "How could you not hear of Sailor Moon?" This is. And this is like people who are not from this country. These are like people from around the world going like Sailor Moon is. Yeah. They're like, you can't do this without knowing who Sailor Moon is. And I think it's, I, I loved it. Like I love the theme song. Yeah. I love the storytelling. I thought like there was some bits where it was incredibly gripping and you're especially like towards the end of like the epic battles and things like that. Like they did that so so well it was again one of those where have you been all my life i like usagi as a character i think she's a bit clumsy and a bit daft but i think that's what kind of makes her so endearing i can see why sailor moon other than pokemon i can see how this cartoon really broke out yeah out of japan and made it across the world like every a lot of people will will will, will have heard of sailor moon more than the simpsons or i don't know another really iconic cartoon i don't know like rugrats yeah they would have heard of sailor moon more than those cartoons 
I think that one thing it sounds like is that if we didn't have Sailor Moon, we may not have had Pokemon and and some, the Studio Ghibli films and stuff like that break yeah. out here because obviously that was 1992, right? Yeah. Pokemon was what well, must have been like late 90s. I'd say yeah, mid to late 90s. Mid to late 90s, right? So without that and that exploding, because I didn't know about I didn't know about anime before I knew Pokemon. Yeah. There's no manga before I knew Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Pokemon was the actually, one that. Saying that Final Fantasy VII was the first real look into like kind of anime kind of style. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like an amazing game and probably one of the most iconic games yeah. ever made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I'm a big fan of anime and I'm yeah, a big fan like, of the over kind of like everything's exaggerated. I like how, yeah, the the eyes pop out. Yeah. And the the ah, and, and, and she's got hair down to her feet. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, I I do want to do an anime special where I delve into it, and I will, I will, I will do that. I will do that as much justice as possible. But we may have to I, do like a an anime month, like we've done, like man, because yeah. there, there's, there's so much to choose. Yeah, from. Th- that's a really good idea. I mean, why don't I just do it for April? I've literally got nothing for April. Anime month it is. I've still got my Studio Ghibli films in my <laughs> bookcase. They're ready to go. Princess Mononoke. But no, like Totoro. with them, it's a shame that they didn't show Sailor Moon on TV. I don't think they did. I wasn't aware of it until you sent me it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was. Uh, I was only aware because people told me. Yeah, yeah. People said, "Have you heard of Sailor Moon?" No. Then you need to hear of Sailor Moon. If you don't know, get to know, kind of thing. And yeah. I, I got to know. And I like what I saw. Yeah. Like I, 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 it struck a chord with me. It was very cute. All the girls are endearing. They're strong. Even like the theme song, when you like hear it in English, like even it kind of translates to, "We're not soft girls. We're gonna kick your ass if we have to," which essentially, which is what it was translating to. And one thing I quite liked as well is that they're also schoolgirls. Like, yeah, like they still have that, like you know, uh, you mentioned it earlier, where Saggy's always late getting up. Yeah, and the parents have to like kind of kick her backside to get her up and 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 ready to for school and things like this. Yeah, and it's, it's that kind of like you know juxtaposition in terms of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm fascinated by the whole how they came together because yeah, I see, never that, I missed that bit. I mean, I did watch the episode where they reunite. Yeah. In the second series, but I never watched how they all as a five came together. Yeah, because like I said, I just kind of did Lasted the bookend, like a beginning end, and then I left the middle because I just thought there's no way I'm gonna sieve through forty odd episodes and uh, and 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 what have you. But I'll do a quick rundown of what happens in each of the series, and then we could do our episodes and talk more on those. So it starts off with Sailor Moon. So, yeah, as we say, 14-year-old girl. She meets a magical cat called Luna or Runa. And Luna gives Usagi the ability to transform into her magical alter ego, which is Sailor Moon. And she has the, the task of locating the Moon Princess and battling the evil forces of the Dark Kingdom or Daku Kingadamu, led by Queen Beryl. And then she's joined by the other sailor soldiers. So Sailor Mercury, Sailor Jupiter, Sailor Mars and Sailor Venus. And they continually thwart the the Dark Kingdom and defeating several of its generals. 
And in the last episode, we see that all of the other Sailor Guardians die in sacrifice to protect Sailor Moon. And, you know, she and we find out that Usagi awakens the Moon Princess, Princess Serenity, and she acquires the Silver Crystal. And as she's about to die, she makes one final wish because all because. I'll talk about it in the episodes, but like all the other girls, they all have regrets and they wish that they lived their lives as teenage girls. And so Sailor Moon's last kind of wish was, look, I want to go back to just being a 14 year old girl. I don't want to be Sailor Moon anymore and I don't want the girls to be like that. And so they wake up and they're back to earth and they're back to their normal selves. And that Sailor Moon R... And the R stands for romance or return. And so we find out that there's a pair of extraterrestrials, Ayle and Anne. They descend onto Earth and they kind of feed on human energy. And so Luna and Arutomisu, they awaken the sailor soldiers because they think, you know what, these guys are going to destroy the world if we don't. And so they all get their memories back and they all become the Sailor Guardians again. And a pink-haired girl called Chibiusa falls from the sky. And she travelled from the future in order to find the Silver Crystal and use it to save her parents. And she's followed by the Black Moon Clan, a new enemy force that is trying to kill her. And so the whole thing is resolved by basically the Sailor Guardians saving this girl because she gets possessed and so they manage to save her and they manage to take her back to where she came from sailor moon s and so the sailor soldiers encounter the death busters which is an evil organization that is summoning monsters called the diamonds to steal heart crystals from humans and their intention is to locate three specific heart crystals that contain special talismans and Joining the Sailor Soldiers are Haruka Tenno and Michiru Kaio, who are also known as Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune. And I think it just basically ends with them managing to free themselves of the influence of the Deathbusters. Sailor Moon Super S. So Chibiusa comes back. And she trains to be a sailor soldier. And she meets her alicorn called Pegasus. And forms a secret relationship with her through her dreams. And Pegasus also aids the sailor soldiers by upgrading them to permanent super forms. And lending his power when summoned by Chibiusa. And yeah so i think they managed to defeat the queen nehelenia and they force her back into the mirror where she was sealed within so that's something that happens there and in sailor moon sailor stars queen nehelenia returns when sailor galaxia frees her and encourages her to seek revenge against the sailor soldiers and she targets mamuro or tuxedo and she places a curse on him that will ultimately kill him and erase chibiusa from existence and the sailor soldiers enter queen nehelenia's nightmare dimension to stop her 
and Usagi eventually becomes to pity Queen Hellenia's plight and is able to rid her of her negativity and activating her final form, Eternal Sailor Moon. And yeah, I think the whole kind of thing just ends with Usagi and Mamoru sharing a kiss under a full moon. And yeah, so basically that was a rundown of Sailor Moon. Now, look, guys, please, I know I just did a really basic AF rundown. I probably missed out a whole ton of stuff. I probably haven't contextualized it properly, but if we talk about the entirety of Sailor Moon, we'd have to be talking for hours and hours and hours and hours. And maybe one day we will, but uh, not right now. So... uh, Bear with me and, uh, yeah, please accept what I have uh, talked about. And, yeah, let's go into episodes that you watched. Yeah, so I think I'm probably going to, like, have to go back and watch some of this as a as a thing. I, I feel think like you I, should. I feel like I missed out on an awful lot, even even with, you know, just um, getting this kind of cross-section going. Um, so, first thing I noticed is she's a reluctant superhero, right? She's not... Yeah. She's not, like, a... Like, a, oh, yeah, I'm a badass kind of kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually, like, quite reluctant. She doesn't want to be. She'd yeah. rather not fight if she... Yeah. Um. So she basically rescues a cat that's getting bullied. She has loads of like, kids, like, trying to yeah. kick its head in. Uh, she rescues a cat. Um. And she takes the plaster off his head as a crescent. She gets freaked out by the cat, so she doesn't want to kind of see it. Um. Uh. And so she has a friend. So there's, like, these kind of goes to like it reminded me of kind of power rangers now bear with me here so yeah do you know in the kind of where rita and zed or whoever it was but by the end of it they were kind of on another planet and they were kind of like they were like um like looking down and kind of figuring out what plots and ways yeah yeah i feel yeah, like they had yeah, this yeah. kind of this kind of bit to it where the queen queen barrel yeah queen barrel and jedet is kind of jadeite yeah the jadeite was was figuring out ways to i did say about the names uh was trying to figure out ways so anyway they're, they're basically sapping energy for their supreme leader through these gems and one of um so basically uh, uh usagi gets up goes to school and but she's failed an english test and she's at a friend's jewelry shop and her mum is like a give me some uh, these are on sale and she's like oh, I really wish I could have one yeah. but I can't because I'm not because I failed I failed my test right yeah. so her 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 mum goes ballistic when she's found out <laughs> I like uh, this <laughs> and she kicks her out <laughs> yeah. yeah Um, and basically all the people that have the, bought the gems are getting like their life force drained out of them yeah. by the baddies now the cat kind of comes in and the cat the cat is like starts talking to her she freaks out about this cat talking to her she's yeah. like now listen which is normal I guess yeah I mean if a cat's but I'll <laughs> I, I think I'll probably, I probably I don't know what I'd do if a, if an animal spoke to me talk back I apart guess. from a parrot yeah so this cat's like basically tells her that you're gonna be Sailor Moon you're gonna be the superhero here's your powers get to know it because <laughs> um, because this is kind of happening um and so basically, so he's basically telling her, "You have to say, Moon Prism of Power.'" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, go on." And he's like, and the cat is basically calling it audible. And then he's like, "Throw the tiara." And she's like, 
Moon Tiara action and then chucking the tiara at the yeah in the name of the moon I punish you yeah and so yeah so basically you've just done the whole episode and and then the geezer and the cloak just comes in and helps all the time so I <laughs> uh, wasn't the the tuxedo what are they called the mask, mask. Tux, yeah tuxedo, tuxedo mask, mask. and so he's, he's like oh watch it dumpling head yeah and he's like yeah so she but she's crushing on him hard right so um. But she always gets so the the episodes always have a format. She comes in, she gets unstuck. Um, Tuxedo Man helps her out, then she finishes it off, and then the episode finishes. Pretty much. That's like the first like kind of at yeah. least four episodes. Um, very kind of the same. So if you watch the first four episodes, then you should have watched them all coming together, pretty much. No, or at least th- there was no there was no. So I always saw Tuxedo Man. I saw M- Mikito Mikato. What was his name? The geezer that runs like this arcade thing. Geezer that runs an arcade. Yeah, what's his name? I did write his name down. I have got nothing about an arcade guy. I can't find when I'm reading. I don't think he's important. So basically, well, she's a man that runs an arcade. Yeah, like a oh, Motoki. I don't know nothing about no arcade. Oh, anyway, I didn't see anyone come together. Like I didn't see anyone. Only Tuxedo Man and Motoki and. Thing you were helping out at any any point. So an arcade man. Yeah, he runs an arcade or something like. Um, so brings me on to episode two where some great ruler needs energy again. Same like kind of, uh, what's it called? Power Rangers yep. moment. Um, and the. So this one's about like they're they're doing it in kind of fortune teller. This is a bit evil and like, this kind of stuff creeps me out in general. I'm not sure <laughs> if you're the same, but like anything to do with the supernatural and the kind of fortune tellery stuff, it freaks me out. So like yeah. tarot, Ouija boards, stuff like that. Ugh, I hate it. Um, so anyway, so the cat, so the cat wakes her up, and she's always late. And she's always like, "Why didn't you wake me up?" He's like, "I did wake you up." He's like, "I didn't hear you," and she's running off to school. Um, and everyone's kind of queuing up to get their fortune told in this place. Uh-huh. And um, she can't get in because... And it, the thing is, she's always blocked from evil. It's like, it seems to be like she's blocked from somewhere or another. She wants to do something. She can't do it. And it turns out that that's always a good thing, right? So uh, then she she ends up getting a fortune told by someone else. Um, so she... She gets a fortune told by this other guy. Then she meets this Motoki person I was talking about. Stays in the arcade and she gets told off for staying out late by her dad. She bumps into her dad on the street and she's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I had to do this, this thing. Um, and Umino gets the fortune told read by the tarot. But, you know, from the original Q one. Um, and But the, when they get the tarot card in their pocket, like, that's it. They're under control of the bad guys, and they're taking the power away from all these people, draining the life force away from these people, and that's it. You know, they kind of go to their supreme leader, um, and then so, and then that that's when it kind of kicks into the end of the th- sequence where she comes in, Tuxedo Man helps out, she then things and the bad people turn into dust, and then that's the end of the episode. Um, on to episode three. Um, same same thing. A brooch is causing the problem this time, and what it is is like there's this radio contest, and someone's kind of hijacking the airwaves where they're doing like they're saying phone in, uh, so write in, and if you your love story makes it on the air, 
then you get this brooch and the brooch that people get sent is draining the life force away from people um and again um Usagi wants one but doesn't get one again being blocked uh and ends up in the usual showdown format where Mr. Tuxedo Man comes in saves the day and baddies turn to dust again same episode so sorry same format at the end of the episode episode four was um Usagi stands and screams because she gains weight this is one with a little bit more like kind of teenage girly kind of problemsy ish yeah uh, and, da- and and her dad says, "Don't worry, it's good to be chubby when you're young." <laughs> right? The thing not trying to say. So she goes on a diet, and so there's kind of this whole thing where all the girls kind of want to lose weight, right? And the the they said, "Oh, you should go where this gym, where where the teacher goes, because she lost loads of weight really quickly in like two days or something." And then um, the person that told us that was. Who's the boy? Who's the boy with the glasses? Oh, he's like the, the geek. Yeah, the geeky guy. Umino. Umino? Umino? Maybe. Yeah. So basically, he was um, he was like, yeah, you should go here because the teacher was doing this. And like, dude, how do you know this? <laughs> and he had the pictures of the woman like, before and after with the teacher. Yeah. So you can't tell in normal clothes, but look, when she's in a gym clothes, this is what she looks like. And you know, how do you know that? And it turns out he'd just been taking creepy pictures of the teacher. But <laughs> they don't kind of touch on that anymore, but yeah, that's that's what happened. Wow! And she'd lost like she'd lost a few kilos in 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 uh, in like two days. So, um, turns out that she goes to this like she does exercises and she goes to this chamber where the people are sucking the life force out, and that translates into weight. Um, but really, um, uh, really, you know, they're taking the life force out of people, and. She goes to Matoki but passes out because she hasn't eaten. Then she tells her to eat again and she goes down, usual showdown. Yeah. Bloody, bloody, blah. That's the four episodes I watched. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I watched the uh, episode one of um, Sailor Moon, which was titled A Moon Star is Born, The Crybaby Usagi's Beautiful Transformation. Obviously, as you kind of explained it, it was all about trying to stop um yeah cursed jewelry being sold and usagi actually weakens morga who was the villain of the piece with her cries so every time she was crying it was weakening her so like the fact that she was a crybaby helped in her. that sense helped her in that in that first episode and then she can use her moon tiara action technique on morga and there was like a, a stranger that helps her and then it reveals himself to be the tuxedo mask. So yeah, just a couple of notes on, on that. And then we jump all the way to episode 45. Death of the Sailor Guardians. The tragic final battle. So, uh, I mean, I, sh- I, c- I guess I can say spoiler alert, but I would imagine... Was this a 20-minute episode as well? Yeah. Cool. About 20, 25 minutes. So it's not, it's not even that long. And it was very enthralling and gripping. So it, I didn't feel like I was clock-watching watching these programs and yeah so they travel to d point to fight queen beryl and they face her toughest monster yet the dd girls and in this episode there's like a bit where all of the girls have to like use their strength to like fight and it was kind of interesting in 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 one sense because it was like 
before the big battle, all the girls are talking about the things that they're going to do once the battle is over. One of them was saying, oh, I'm going to read the book. One of them was like, oh, I'm going to ask a boy I like out. It's just like normal teenage things that they want to do. And they're not really thinking that, oh, tomorrow's not guaranteed for me mentality they're thinking oh we we've got tomorrow we've got next week we've got we've got we've got all kinds of time so we're gonna fight this battle as we do and we're gonna come back and we're gonna live to see another day but it's just yeah like each of them like encounter something so yeah so makoto is the uh the first one to to die so I think she gets caught up and she's like, look, I need to stay behind and you guys need to go on ahead. Otherwise, you guys won't make it past. And obviously, Sailor Moon is like, please don't die. Like, please don't. Like, we need you. But obviously, she she gets taken out. And then Sailor Mercury was the next to get taken out. And then they're all going on and then sailor mars is the the next one the next one to go and yeah so all of them are now pretty much all wiped out and dead and they're all like their kind of final moments was just filled with regret filled with i wish i did this i wish i did that i wish i could have done all the things that i could do and sailor moon at this point is just inconsolable she's just like what the hell like all of my mates have gone how come i'm the only one i'm the only one standing and then episode 46 usagi's eternal wish a brand new life so she gets transported inside the dark kingdom to face queen beryl and the brainwashed Prince Endymion. And she actually manages to restore the the Prince Endymion. And he basically sacrifices himself and, and wounds Queen Beryl. And yeah, so Queen Metalia basically... Yeah, so Queen Beryl dies and then she turns into Queen Metalia. And then turns into like a giant monster. And then Sailor Moon turns into Princess Serenity. So that's like her kind of like evolvement. And then. So yes. Princess Serenity defeats Beryl. And destroys all the traces of Metalia. And you could see like Luna and Arutomisu. And they're all like look please don't use the tiara. Otherwise you're going to die. And so, yeah, once she uses it to destroy Metalia, she has one final wish. And that one, like, dying wish was, I wish I can go back to being a 14-year-old girl. I wish all the other girls can go back to being 14-year-old girls. And we can just pretend that this whole life never happened. And so that wish comes to fruition. And so they're just basically now back to Earth their memories wiped out so they have no inkling or memory of who they are and so the two cats were kind of like yeah they're not going to know each other that's it it's done 
And then I watched two episodes from Sailor Moon R. So episode one was The Return of Sailor Moon. Moon Returns. The Mysterious Aliens Appear. And yeah, they're all living their lives. They're all relatively happy, but it's all separate. There was one funny scene with uh, Aruto Misu and uh, Luna. So Aruto Misu was like to Luna, oh, now that we don't have to fight each other, I was thinking maybe you and I could. And she was like, pervert! And just slapping him upside the head. And it was just so funny. That, that, that just bit made me laugh. And he just screams, pervert! And I think baka, which means idiot in Japanese. That's another yeah and so yeah that was that was quite uh hilarious and yeah so uh two alien students called ale and Anne. they basically assume identities of human beings and they pretend that they uh came from uh, a foreign country so so everyone's going oh so, so so do you speak english and then they're going yes and then they were saying, obviously in Japanese, oh, say, say, say something in uh, in English. And then the girl just was going, fairer, 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 fairer. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And they're going, ooh, they speak English, they speak English, and, 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 and what have you. And then, yeah, so while they have to stop Ayle and Anne, Luna has no choice but to restore Usagi's memories. And then she remembers that she's Sailor Moon. All of a sudden, because she starts talking and then Usagi's like, huh? You're a cat that talks? And basically the cat's like, I ain't got time for this bull jive. We need to go save the world. Shoot. And then transforms her and then she does the whole moon, but it's on bower action and, you know, moon tiara and what have you. And yeah, I don't want to do the voice. We ain't got, we ain't got time to do no voice. <laughs> and then the final battle. So the final battle between light and dark. And Pledge of Love to the Future. Actually, you know, I actually did watch the next episode. This was the the final episode that I made notes on. But I did watch the second episode of uh, Sailor Sailor Moon R. So this was... Um, so all of the other Guardians, they all just happened to be told to come to a TV, a TV station to audition for a TV show. So it's basically all of them. And they all come together and they're all like, do I know you? And one of them's like, yeah, it feels like we've met. Like we've done so much together. And they're all like, nah, it's probably just coincidence. So they're all walking in. And so they end up like fighting this Isle and Anne and these aliens anyway without the powers. And so Arutomisu and Luna are like, hey, these guys are fighting without powers anyway. Like, shoot. Because I think the, the big strong girl was like basically just fighting anyway. And they were like, and Sailor Moon was like, don't transform them. I don't want them to be their form again. I don't want them to die again. I don't want to lose them. Don't transform them. But Arutomisu is like, we ain't got no choice, y'all. We got to get these girls and we got to do the Sailor Guardian deal again. So they all become their forms again. So it's like Mercury power, Venus power, Mars power and Jupiter power. And they all become the Sailor Guardians again. And they manage to stop the evil at their tracks. And then, yeah, like I was saying, the final battle, 
so in this one they enter the black gate and the black lady appears and attacks them and she tries to use the energy and the power of the silver crystal to show the black lady her true memories and then the black lady turns back to Shibusa, as i was saying the little pink girl and then wise man reveals that he is death phantom and proceeds to open the black gate to attack earth forcing sailor moon to fight and when Chibiusa cries and her tear forms the silver crystal of the future together so neo queen serenity and Chibiusa overpower the death phantom destroying him and the black crystal power forever and then Chibiusa returns to the future of crystal tokyo and is finally reunited with her mother and father and the future Sailor Guardians. 2014 saw the return of Sailor Moon and Sailor Moon Crystal. And what you can hear in the background is Moon Pride by Momoiro Clover Z. They're a J-pop group and they basically did the, uh, the theme song. And it's incredibly, incredibly catchy and I really really liked it and initially I was watching this as opposed to the original Sailor Moon because I was watching this thinking damn HD high quality 1080p I'm like well Japan I'm like well y'all that ahead of us in 92 that I can watch 1080p in in that quality I, I, I mean I'm I'm actually betting that you probably could yeah they probably could <laughs> you probably <laughs> could anyway in Japan I mean them <laughs> Them, 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 them guys are like way advanced with that stuff. So, like the 1990s adaptation of Sailor Moon, the series is made by Toei Animation and also dubbed into English by Viz Media. The series serves as a more faithful adaptation of the original manga version of Sailor Moon rather than the 90s anime adaptation. Therefore, the series itself is considered a reboot rather than a remake of the 90s Sailor Moon anime. And yeah, so it was divided into the Dark Kingdom arc, the Black Moon arc, Infinity arc, and the Sailor Moon Eternal. And yeah, I watched the, the first episode, or known as Act 1. So basically in this episode, it's just essentially what it was. So she comes across a cat, rips a band-aid off, she turns into Sailor Moon, she bumps into Tuxedo Mask. And the other episode that I watched was... So this was how uh, Sailor Mars became to join the group. So basically Queen Beryl calls out Jadeite for his failures. And she reveals to him and two other Dark Kings called Neferite and Zoisit. Zoisiti. I can't even say the name. But it sounds so cool in Japanese. Neferite and Zoisuti. I bet that's probably how you just say that without me thinking. And yeah, so Usagi meets a shrine maiden called Rai. And they realize that a girl has gone missing. And there's a rumor about a demon 6pm bus that is said to spirit people away. And while returning to the shrine, Usagi encounters the stranger once again. And he reveals his name as Mamuro Chiba. And... Rai is talking about how she's lonely and she lives alone due to her mysterious powers. She sees a vision of Usagi being captured and rushes out. And Jadeite kidnaps Rai and takes her inside the demon bus. And Usagi and Ami enter the portal and they realize that it's a trap. 
And while Rai attempts to stop Jadeite from using his ice powers to freeze Ami and Usagi, she awakens her own powers and transforms into Sailor Mars. And Usagi launches one final Moon Tiara boomerang attack to trap Jadeite. And Rai overpowers Jadeite's ice abilities with her own flames, forcing him to flee. And then all the missing children are safely returned to their families. And a mysterious chest is flown into Japan. And it probably continues on and on and on. And yeah, I think that's uh, that was all the uh, the episodes that I watched. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed Sailor Moon. I thought it was an incredibly fun cartoon or anime. It was really, really well told. I thought the storytelling, I thought the the whole how it kind of flowed. I'm sure it flowed from episode 1 all the way to episode 46 even though we never really watched watched all of those to our to our great shame, but yeah, I I I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought what what I think is good is this is a good like it's one is an origin of how it started in 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 the UK, right? How it kind of yeah. came here. Um so, and like so it'd be good for people to watch it and to like if we do end up doing like a manga month week couple of days whatever it is then it'll be good that, that'll be a good kind of preface into what manga and anime actually is yeah you know like you know and how it how it became so so big especially in obviously like japan as it's its own thing but i'm just yeah, talking about yeah, the worldwide yeah. the worldwide audience and and you know and obviously the uk us in particular yeah, I mean, it, it. Like I said, yeah, it, manga. I mean, manga, anime, it's a religion out there, and we hope that we could do it justice in any small, big way, really. And uh, yeah, and I think that was a, a good, good place to bring Women's History Month to an end. Like we did some truly magnificent cartoons, in particular. Yeah, I think so. I think like obviously, you can never do it justice. No, but um, I mean, as told by Ginger is you know what you know how we how we were saying that it might not be Rugrats level. I think it yeah. might be Rugrats level. I think and I think it's definitely Rugrats level in terms of what it actually is, but just in terms of the, I mean, yeah, how how well known it how is. how well known it is. But I think it is well known. I just think obviously it was after our time. Yeah, I, but I I would I would I would put it up there with the Rugrats. Actually, when I when I when the more I thought about it and the more I was watching it, the more I thought, yeah, this is this is elite. Yeah. This is elite cartoon, and with Sailor Moon, like in particular, Sailor Moon and As Told by Ginger are like the ones that struck a chord me. I thought yeah. this is this is magnificent. And even when we were doing Lizzie McGuire, Zoe One Hundred and One, and um, Carissa. Those shows were great as well. I still like Zoe 101. Like, yeah, I, I I liked... Yeah, it was all very, very, very good. Very good shows. And it was a really good month. And uh, I mean, just because we've done Women's History Month, don't mean we gonna be, we're not going to do women's shows in the coming weeks <laughs> and months, you know. That's it. No more women's shows. It's not... Yeah, that's it. No more women's <laughs> shows. Back to man, man, man. We still go and we still go and talk about it, but obviously with Women's History Month, we thought we'd give it an entire month, and uh, yeah, I think that will uh, nicely bring it to an end. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Keep on listening. I mean, 
we obviously will figure it out with uh, the virus and uh, everything that goes with it. And even if we are in lockdown, we'll still try to get episodes out to you guys and uh, bring smiles to your faces just for a little bit because that's what we're trying to do. And uh, actually, before I forget, because I keep forgetting, I wanted to mention Janet Dubois, who uh, who was in uh, Good Times as uh, Wilona. She uh, passed away last month and I've been wanting to talk about that since I heard about it but I just kept forgetting and I just thought you know what this week I'm not going to forget she was uh, an iconic actress like I said she was in good times she was um, the one that adopted Janet Jackson in the end yeah she, she's a really famous iconic actress oh yeah obviously she did the uh, theme song for the Jeffersons as well so she kind of sang it so yeah and i just wanted to say thoughts and uh thoughts go out to her family belatedly i should say because she passed in uh in 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 february at some point but i just wanted to uh just wanted to get that out there and just wanted to say yeah we're well, the woods in good times just wanted to uh make a note of that and um yeah so yeah on that note bring it to an end Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. So do listen and do check us out and uh, like, holler, share, subscribe and do all of that good stuff. And probably next week we'll probably do the suggestion that Aja Craig sent me all those weeks ago about doing Rhapsody, The Basement or Station Zero. So we may very well do that show. So watch that space, Aja. You might get what you are wishing for. And uh, on the socials, you can follow Yesterday's Capers on Instagram at Yesterday's Capers 1. You can follow on Twitter at Yesterday Capers. You can follow me, Abdullah underscore Molim, on Insta. Abdullah Molim, all one word, on Twitter. Give me a follow. Give me a holler. Be like Aja and suggest stuff to me. That will be very, very helpful, particularly in the coming weeks. And, uh, yeah... Hopefully, join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers.